moves over to the Gospel of John for our reading. We will stay in the Gospel of John um, for much of Lent before returning to Matthew for Palm Sunday. So as we open the Word together, I invite you to turn to John chapter 3. Today we encounter uh, uh, a man named Nicodemus. It won't be the only time that he appears uh, in this Gospel, but this will be his first appearance. Okay, early on in the in the in the book of John, um, I'll be reading uh, kind of an extended portion of Scripture today, from verse one through verse seventeen from the Common English Bible. Uh, if you're able this morning, would you join me in standing out of reverence for the reading of the Word? A reading from John chapter three, verses one through seventeen. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God given to us the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, I would classify myself as kind of a night owl. Uh, maybe I should start here. Which of you are early risers? Any early risers? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, you. You all are just... You're just nuts. Um, I'm really impressed. I, I, I'm really impressed with, with all you early risers. Um, more power to you. More power to you. I don't understand you. Not, not in the least. Um, you're kind of like coffee people for me. I just, I just don't understand early riser coffee people. Um, but I, I've, heard, I've heard how great it is to be an early riser. Uh, you wake up before the house is moving. There's calm, it's peaceful, it's quiet. You get your stillness and your peace just to, just to start your day that way. And all the early risers going, yes, you understand me. And I go, no, no, 
that's not how it works. There's a snooze button for a reason, people. Um, I'm a night owl. Uh, Believe it or not, for all you early risers, there is calm at the night time as well. The kids do eventually wander off and head to bed. Uh, Eventually they quiet down too. Um, and And then there's some work around the house. And then there's quiet. And then there's peace. Uh, Lynn and I have have started many a projects way too late at night um, and gone way too long into the night on those projects. But I th- we've moved mountains at nighttime uh, after after the kids are are in bed. For us, for us night owls, we we own the dark and the peace and the quiet that comes in those moments at the end of the day. But God bless all you early risers. Uh, the character in this story is named um, Nicodemus. And we aren't really told a lot about him. He was a Jew. He was a member of the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were the, the well-respected experts of the law. They were kind of the big wigs of the spiritual life in Jerusalem. Uh, and therefore, this guy, this guy gets, gets respected. He, he's well-known. He had, he had privilege he had notoriety. He had knowledge and respect. It took something to be a Pharisee. He had to, had to know stuff um, for, for little boys that walked by and, and recognized his position, his title. Um, they might say, I want to be like that guy when I grow up. But Nicodemus, uh, for some reason, was interested in Jesus. Um, if uh, he wanted to know what was up with this guy. A lot of the Pharisees didn't have time for Jesus. A lot, a lot of the Pharisees were set against Jesus. And as you read about the, the Pharisees throughout the gospel, you're going to encounter a lot of Pharisees that were against Jesus. This was not the case for Nicodemus. He sought him out. He saw something in Jesus worth pursuing. Saying, I, I want to go, go check this guy out. I want to I see what makes him tick. If you listen to Nicodemus's words, you realize and you understand Nicodemus knew what Jesus had done, had heard reports or had witnessed or had seen what was done. And this is John chapter 3. So this is the this is the this is early on in Jesus's account or in John's account of of Jesus's ministry. This is this is early on and very few things had been done. If you look in chapter 2, there was the wedding at Cana. And Jesus turned water into wine. And, and then later on, it talks about um, his, his ministry in Jerusalem. And right at the very end of the, of the chapter, it talks about um, the healings that had gone on and the things that Jesus had done. And Nicodemus was aware. He's asking questions of Jesus. He wants to understand. There's some, there's, there's some seeking out there. Um, not a lot of Pharisees. This is one of very few times in scripture where pharisees entered into conversation with jesus asking questions and that's who that's who nicodemus was and that's what he was that was his posture uh toward jesus and i think i think he was sincerely seeking i think he really wanted to know what was going on i think we live in a day where there are a lot of nicodemuses i think we live in a day in 2020, where there are a lot of Nicodemuses. What do I mean by that? 
There are three ways that people today are, are a little bit like Nicodemus, if you ask me. Three ways that I, that I see. Number one, we're curious. We have become a curious people. We're, we're asker of, askers of questions. And this starts really early. Have you had a toddler before? <laughs> Do they ever ask questions? What if? Why? 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 You give another answer. Why? You give another answer. Why? Why not? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of us that, that ask a lot of questions. We want to know. We're curious individuals. I think Nicodemus was curious as well. I think that's part of how God made us, to be curious and to seek. Number two, we like to figure things out. I get the sense that Nicodemus just wasn't really, wasn't, Jesus tried to talk to him in, in metaphors and tried to explain, and it, it didn't, didn't wash with him. He wanted to figure it out. He wanted to understand. He wanted his mind to be able to grasp these things. Can an, an adult really re-enter the womb? Like, how does this happen? Even more so today, we live in an age of science where we know way too many things. We've discovered way too many things. Uh, we, we want to understand how things work. We, we have telescopes that can see millions and millions and millions of miles and light years away. We have microscopes that can see smaller and smaller and smaller particles. And we come up with theories and we observe. We ask science. All these pursuits are good. All these pursuits are beneficial. But I think Nicodemus wanted to know. I think he wanted to understand. He wanted to, to, to figure things out. We, we are, are competent people, and we live in an age where our wisdom and our knowledge, <laughs> our smartness, is valued. And even we approach God that way. We want to figure out what this book means, how it shapes us, how it affects our lives. We want to figure it out. And I don't think there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with these two things, that we're curious people, that we like to figure things out. This third one is a little bit scary. Sometimes we approach God in the dark. Sometimes we approach God in the dark. Uh, uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus at nighttime on purpose. And that has more to do with who he was and who the other Pharisees were and how they felt about Jesus. And he wasn't sure that, that coming to Jesus in the middle of the day was going to be okay. And you say, come on, Trent, lights out. We're here at church. What are you talking about? What's going on? The risk for us is that we compartmentalize our faith. That we say, we've got, we've got this time that we set aside for Jesus on Sunday morning. Um, and, and that's kind of our Jesus time. And then we see no problem uh, wanting, wanting Jesus at that time and then living how we want. We, we, we get a little bit of Jesus on Sunday and the rest of the week, i I got to live my life, preacher. We set it aside. And, and I was left this week as, as, I, as I pondered 
Nicodemus, as, as, I, as I took a look and I said, you know, we sometimes have these tendencies. We, wanna, we, we want to ask these questions and, and get answers. We want to figure things out. And sometimes we're a little bit like Nicodemus in that, that we approach Jesus in safe ways. Ways that, that allow him to go back and, and do his Pharise, Pharisee duties, to be the person in, in this Jewish society that he had grown accustomed to. But he still wanted a little bit of Jesus in there as well. And, and, and as I realized that this is a picture of us sometimes, I wanted to ask, what can we do? It, how can we how can we make progress where is the hope how do we break out of these habits what's a person to do and as i as i as i walked through this week the reality kind of struck me we're kind of living in the midst of an answer right now as we journey through this part of the year and the answer is lent and the answer that I found this week is Lent. Lent is this season that we're in as we approach Easter, as we approach the Passion Week of Jesus Christ. We sit in the shadow of the cross, realizing that its journey, or, or our journey, is headed straight for it in this season. We behold the horror of the cross, and yet as Christ followers, we find hope in the cross. We see the brutality of, of, of our human insecurities and what it caused Jesus upon that cross. And yet we believe the promise that there's a different way to live. We see the tyranny of power misused and realize again we're called, even in that tyranny, to submit and to surrender. This is a powerful season, the season of Lent. You see, Lent solves, solves the question, solves the problems for the curious questioner. You don't sit in the shadow of the cross and say, huh, how does this work? <laughs> what do we do? The message of the cross is crystal clear. Sitting in the shadow of the cross, if you still have questions, you're faced to make an answer. You are forced to make an answer. Our questions are drowned out by our passion or we give up. There's no halfway with the cross. Questioners don't stick around for that, for that portion. It's, it's too crass. It's too final. It's too scary. It's too lethal. As we ask our questions, we have to say, do I have the passion to stay even in the shadow of the cross? Lent solves the problem of figuring it all out. Actually, it, it blows the possibility of figuring it out away. There's, there's no scenario where the cross makes sense for our God. It's so counterintuitive. It's so audacious. It's so silly. God chose and came as suffering servant Messiah, wrapped the towel around his waist and washed our feet just before going to the cross. That doesn't make sense 
Our heads won't figure that out, folks. That's not what God does. That's not how God looks. It's absurd. Lent is the season where we let our minds lose the battle. You're not going to figure it out, brain. Our heart takes over. Our soul, our spirit takes over. Lent confronts our compartmentalized lives. It says, this is worthy of all of you. Not just part of you, not just your Sunday morning. This, this, this way of living inconsistent lives, lives that are split kind of between my Jesus time and, and my other time. It has no place as we sit with the cross. <laughs> how dare we, how would we dare assume that role, that position to approach that moment of Christ on the cross with a casual shrug, with a, a nonchalant, a half-hearted nod. Yeah, that happened to Jesus. And I follow him sometimes <laughs> on Sunday. Lent requires more than that. Lent calls us to a deeper walk. Lent is, is that preparation mode as we walk towards Easter Sunday where we say, is this what I believe? Is this how I walk? Do I follow this Jesus? Will I commit? How are you doing this season of Lent? I think Lent is combated by a number of things. Most of all for me is our busy lives. That Lent seems to slip away in the hustle and the bustle and all the things there are to do. But how are you doing this Lent? Did you give something up? Maybe you took something on this, this year. We're 12 days into to Lent. 12 days into Lent. Uh, I was reading um, this Lenten postcard devotional. We have several more copies um, in, in the foyer. This has a, a devotional reading for every day. This is probably the last time we'll talk about it. We'll keep it out there until all the books are gone. But I was reading, um, and I'd like to, I was captured by one of the paragraphs from yesterday, and I'd like to read it to you. It says this, By this time, our, observant, our observance of the Lenten journey could have become a task. You ever do something for God and then it kind of becomes routine, becomes this task? Continuing to keep Lent could become a burden if we are not careful. But keep this before you. You are not called to keep Lent. Lent is designed to keep you. This is for your sake. The Lenten season is a time to draw near to a God who passionately loves you, who has provided abundantly more grace than you can imagine and who seeks to draw you who, and who seeks to draw near to you this year let lent keep you and that's our encouragement today lent keeps us lent keeps us it holds us and captures us and won't let us go but not only does it hold us but it holds us where we need to be it holds us where we need to be. It places us before the cross that we will soon encounter. We're about to celebrate a Palm Sunday. Jesus will arrive in Jerusalem, the conquering hero, the celebrated one with, with the hopes and the joys and the Messiah dreams of the nation of Israel 
fueling this celebration, fueling this party. And we will walk through it with Jesus, knowing what his followers did. Knowing what they didn't realize. As they waved the palm branches all those years ago, they thought Jesus was coming to do things that he would turn away from and turn towards a cross and turn towards a crucifixion. It leads me back to this character uh, of Nicodemus. He kind of he kind of just disappears in this story, right? He he asks his question. Jesus gives a short response. He asks another question, and then Jesus teaches a little while. We don't we don't hear anything about Nicodemus. And I like to I, I wonder what what happened. Did he get Jesus's point? Did he have like this aha moment, this epiphany moment where he, where he understood what happened? What was his reaction? We don't really know in John chapter 3. But, but in Nicodemus, we have what's kind of called or what has been called a longitudinal study okay, in Scripture. Um, a longitudinal study is a study where you observe the participant of the study over a course of a period of time. Uh, sometimes years later, sometimes decades later. Um, But we get to check in on Nicodemus. In John chapter 19, Nicodemus is there after the death of Jesus, working alongside a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And Nicodemus' role was to to bring a bunch of burial spices to prepare Jesus' body. It even says, just to make sure that we, we realize that we catch on, it says, Nicodemus, the one who had come to him at night. For all of us who sometimes are like Nicodemus, if you're the curious type, and you say, well, what about this? I don't understand this. What about that? How do we explain this? Maybe you're struggling to, to let it settle down into your heart. Maybe, it's, maybe faith for you tends to be a head thing. And you're wanting to figure it all out. Or maybe you, like me sometimes, tend to pursue Jesus in the dark. Kind of figured out the compartments of how we place it, our faith. For all of us, the offer is for us the same as it was for Nicodemus. To be born again. To be born again. Nicodemus asks the stupid question for us. No, no, Nicodemus. You don't climb back into your mother's womb. But it's out of this extraordinary, under the cover of darkness exchange that we get one of the most beloved memory verses ever. Did you hear it? God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. We do that through new birth. The old is gone. The new shows up. We're made new, new creations in Christ. Hallelujah, yes. That should, that should get us excited. That's our story. That's what God invites us to. A new birth. Scripture says the old has gone. The new has come. And that makes for us all the difference.
in the world. I'm going to ask the praise team today to come back up as we close out our service for today. As they're coming up, maybe, maybe this is you. Maybe today you say, you know what, Trent, I, I, I sometimes get stuck in my head. I, I ask the questions. I want to figure it all out. Or maybe you've come to church a long time, your whole life, and you're used to it just being a head thing. Kind of this, I, 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 I'm in this mental pursuit of trying to understand God. And, and maybe you want to say today, make me new. I want this born again change in my life today. Somebody else is here and saying, Trent, I've, I've been born again. I've followed Jesus. I, I need this, but in the midst of this Lent, this season, this is what I need. I, I need Lent to make me new again this year to accomplish what it's meant to accomplish in me. I need Lent this year to keep me. That's new birth. That's being set free from the old way. That's being, it's breaking out of, of how God, uh, how, how you've walked with God. Let today be a new day for you. Let me pray for you this morning. Oh God. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for being there for us. I thank you today for this look at, at this man named Nicodemus who genuinely was searching after you, genuinely wanting to know you. And yet had these questions. He got in his own way. I pray today that you would set us free. pray today that you would help us to not approach you in the dark, to not... Allow our pursuit of you to be slowed by anything. That we would just jump in. That we would say, I want new life. I want to be born again. Born anew. Born afresh. As we walk through the season of Lent, God, that opportunity is in front of us. And I pray today for those that feel a little bit like Nicodemus today you would set them free during this season to just pursue you with all of who they are with all of what they've given that, that all of their being would allow themselves to, to just be prepared for this coming season of Easter we're so grateful for your son who you sent we're so grateful for the promise that is extended to us. Would you be with us today and transform us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you today to extend open hands and receive this benediction. For God so loved the world. That's you. That's me. That's all of creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that our eternal life with God might begin today, right now. May it be so, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.